Don't, don't let today be that day. Hey, we're in week three of our series uh, called The Power of Routine. And, and if you've missed the last couple of weeks, I, I know some of you have, as we're, we're just getting back into the routine of the new year. Some of you were out of town still on vacation and visiting family and taking advantage uh, of the break. But if you haven't been here, we're in a, a series called The Power uh, of Routine. And, and, and we defined a, a routine uh, as this. We said that uh, a routine is a sequence of actions or habits regularly followed. It's a fixed program. And so as we start the, the new year and we're all kind of building habits into our lives, the, the, a routine is not just one habit like, hey, in the new year, I'm not going to just do this one thing. I'm going to do a series of actions or habits. That's what makes up a routine. And so this is what we said a routine was. And then we kind of gave a one-sentence summary of the whole entire series. And here's what we've said about the series. If you want to be a high achiever in your spiritual life, then establishing a healthy routine of spiritual habits is essential. And so uh, a few weeks ago when we kicked off the series in week one, we talked about habit number one. This was a foundational habit. It was daily Bible intake or reading God's word daily. This is a daily habit that we want to try to build into our lives. Last Sunday, we talked about habit number two, which is prayer or praying daily. And so we we try to want to build these two first foundational habits, reading God's word and prayer. We'd love to build those daily into our lives, at least um, very often, very regularly. Let's build these two things into our life. Today we're going to talk about habit number three, okay? And it's not a daily habit, but habit number three is weekly worship, or we want to worship weekly with one another. We want to worship regularly with each other. And so here's what we believe, okay, at River City Church. We believe that every week matters, okay? Every week matters, that, that there's 52 weekends out of the year, which is 52 opportunities for us to show up, gather together, get into this place, see what God wants to do inside of us, and then as we leave these doors, what God wants to do through us when we get back out into the community. And for us, it's actually 51 weekends, because we have a Sabbath Sunday, and so we take the last Sunday of the year off. That's intentional. God gives all kinds of rest throughout Scripture. And so the Sabbath Sunday, we, we take off. And so that's really not 52 opportunities. It's really 51 opportunities. And so here's what we know about those 51 opportunities. That out of those 51 weeks, there's likely going to be one or two that you're not here because, well, perhaps you're on vacation. Uh, or, or, or if you're not on vacation, maybe you're not going on a cruise or going anywhere, you know, like to Paris or anywhere. Maybe you're just going to see family. Like we know out of these 51 weekends, there's likely going to be one or two where, where, where you're gone, and that's okay. You should be gone. I'm not here 51 weekends out of the year, right? It's absolutely okay. And so we start at 51, and so we know there's going to be one or two that you're going to miss because maybe you're out of town. We, we also know this. There's likely to be one or two where you're sick, like you're just not feeling well, right? Or, or, or someone in your household is sick, and so you're home acting as caregiver. And so let me just be up front with you. If you're sick or your kids are sick, stay home, okay? Don't come share that with everybody else. We don't want it. So, so we know we start at 51, and, and we know you might be gone a, a time or two because you're out of town. We, we know that you might be sick. Here's what I've discovered this fall. Not so much last fall, but Really, this fall, I've discovered when the Chiefs kick off at noon, 
I'm just saying. And here's the deal. I'm not like talking to you all who actually have tickets to the game. Like some of you have tickets to the game, which is awesome. And if you have tickets, you should go. But like those of you who are like, I, I don't know, kickoff's at noon and you might preach late and we might not get out on time. And like I realize sometimes people miss because the Chiefs kick off at noon. Sometimes you're just tired. Right, like you've worked a long week and maybe you get home and there's like a honeydew, like you're building a new deck in the backyard, you know, or something. And so you've worked all weekend long and Friday night and Saturday. Some weeks you're just tired, you might miss. You might miss because there's kids' activities that are going on. And so uh, you, you might have club sports or this activity or that activity that takes you out of town. You might miss because of that. Maybe it's not your kids. Maybe it's your grandkids. So, so here's what we know. It might snow. <laughs> we might cancel church. So, like, listen, here's what we know. We start at 51. Like, whatever the case may be, we start at 51, and we see that that gets whittled down pretty quickly, don't we? But every week matters. And so what I want to do is I want to coach you this morning. I want to try to convince you this morning that every week matters, that it's beneficial for us to not forsake the gathering together weekly for worship. And so to that end, I've got five reasons or five benefits that I, I want to share with you this morning about building the habit of weekly worship into your spiritual routine. And, and so here's the first one, because every week matters. So, so when you worship weekly, you're doing what Jesus did. And so if you're taking notes, this is the first reason, the first benefit. Every week matters, and so when you worship weekly, you're doing what Jesus did. Now, listen, I don't know if you know this, but this thing that we do when we gather in this rhythm of once a week and we show up here in this place together, this was not invented by some monk in the 14th century. It wasn't invented by some guy in a polyester suit in the 1950s or the 1960s. In fact, for 60 centuries, for 6,000 years, People have been gathering together to honor God. I, I need you to know that because, listen, here's the truth. This wasn't devised as some way to just ruin your weekend, okay? Like to give you something that you're obligated to, to show up here and to, to give us your money. That's not what this is about. People have been doing this for 6,000 years. And when you show up these 51 weekends out of the year, and you gather regularly for worship, you're doing exactly what Jesus did. Let me show you this in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, in this gospel, the gospel of Luke, this would be very early in Jesus' ministry by the time we get to Luke chapter 4. We read this about Jesus. Here's what it says. It says, and he, speaking of Jesus, came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. Okay, so we know Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was raised uh, in, in Nazareth, and so he's out doing some ministry, and it says, and he came to Nazareth, and listen, you might want to circle this, underline it, asterisk, highlight it, whatever you got to do, and look at what it says, and as was his custom, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Jesus showed up week in and week out, and he worshiped weekly. 
And, and here's the, the kicker. Here's where it really sunk in for me, okay? It's this, is that if Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is perfect, who is blameless, who is faultless, the only man to live who is without sin, the one who is the king of the universe, if Jesus needed to show up weekly for connection, to go to the synagogue, if he needed that kind of connection, then how much more so do you and I, a bunch of sinful knuckleheads, need to show up weekly for worship? When you show up weekly, you're just doing what Jesus did and what people who have claimed to follow God have been doing for like 6,000 years. That's reason number one we ought to show up. Here's reason number two. Every week matters, and so when you worship weekly, God will right-size your perspective. When you worship weekly, God will right-size your perspective. When you make this a habit, when you show up each week and give God some space and some time to move in your life, when you build this into your spiritual routine and you come in here and you sing and you listen to God and what he has to speak to you and you spend time in prayer, when you put yourself in this position, God will right-size your perspective. Turn to Psalm 73. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 73. You can grab one of those pew Bibles that's right there in front of you or on your iPhone, iPad, your own Bible. Hopefully you brought your own Bible. Turn to Psalm 73. Kind of go to the middle of your Bible and back up to the left a little bit. You'll find the Psalms. There's 150 of them. Turn to Psalm 73. Let me give you a little background. This is a, a Psalm written by a dude named Asaph. Okay, most of the Psalms are written by King David, but this one in particular is written by a man uh, named Asaph. And, and here's what's interesting, and there's this whole section in the Bible when you get to Psalm 73 that are, that are written by Asaph, and then it's kind of distressing a little bit. Like some of these Psalms are, are pretty disturbing. This section is all about like, where are you, God? Like, what are you doing? In the world, like, I don't understand your ways. And so listen, so if you're ever feeling like, maybe you're just like, you don't get what God's up to, or maybe you feel like God's being mean to you, one of the things you could always do is turn to Psalm 73 and just start to read, and what you'll realize pretty quickly is you're not alone. Those are the angels singing. Look at Psalm 73, beginning in verse 1. Asaph says, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat, and he doesn't mean like they're overweight. What he means is like they haven't missed a meal, like they're trim and they're fit. They're fat and sleek, and they are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Here's what Asaph's saying. He's saying, I'm trying to be good, like I'm trying to follow God. I'm trying to do everything the right way, but things are not working out for me. And to make matters worse, in fact, here's my neighbor over here, and he is rich, and he is good looking, and his wife is really pretty, and everything is working out for him. And by the way, God, this is not right. I am not okay with this. This is what Asaph's saying. Have you ever felt that way before? You ever looked up and you saw someone else's life who was prospering and you just sort of felt like, why is their life prospering? 
Why is my life not prospering like that? Asaph does this in this psalm, Psalm 73. Like, you can just look at it. Verse 6, he continues on. Verse 7, verse 8, he just kind of keeps going, man. He's like, I don't understand, God, your ways. And then everything turns at verse 16. Look at verse 16 with me. Everything turns right here. He says, but when I thought how to understand all of this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. So, So let's just pause right there. Do you hear his heart? He's like, I don't understand. I don't understand why things happen the way they do. And life certainly doesn't seem fair at all. Like when I lift my eyes and look at what's going on around me, I don't get it. And I've tried to understand all of this. And honestly, it just troubles me deep down in my core, in the depths of my being. Like we can relate to this, right? I can remember five years ago, and, and many of you know about this because uh, I've shared it with the church family, but five years ago, my, my nephew Josh uh, was in a car accident. He was 21 at the time, and he was in a coma for a month and suffered from a, a brain stem injury and never recovered, and, and finally last year he succumbed to all of those injuries and now is in a better place. He's with the Lord. And I remember thinking five years ago when that happened. And now, listen, my brother and sister-in-law have eight kids, and so I don't mean anything by this, but I just remember saying, of, of all of those kids, why Josh? Like, Josh was the kindest, most thoughtful soul. And I just remember thinking, why Josh? I just don't understand. I mean, why not me? I mean, I'd have rather it been me. Why Josh? Like, I tell you that because this is what Asaph's doing. It's like, God, I don't understand. But then look at what he says in verse 17. He says, until, until what? Until I went into the sanctuary of God. And when I got into the sanctuary of God, I, I was able to discern and understand why these things were happening. He, he's saying, I, I was trying to figure this out. And it was bugging me, and I was looking at, at life, and I didn't understand. But then I went into the sanctuary. And when I got into the sanctuary, God gave me a new perspective. This is what he's saying. Friends, when when you show up every week and you come in here and you give God room to operate and to move into your life, here's what happens when you get in here. Things that you face out there, out in those doors in the parking lot, out in the world, things that you face in there, God changes your perspective when you get in here. See, big things out there become small things. And here when God gives you perspective. That things that are heavy out there in the world, they become light when you enter into the sanctuary of God. Scary things become manageable when God gives you perspective. 
See, one of the things that happens if you'll show up weekly and sing these songs and spend some time sitting in that pew is that God will right-size your perspective. Here's the third thing. He says, every week matters, so when you worship weekly, God will give your soul room to breathe. God will give your soul room to breathe. Now, here's what we know, and I want to be sure we're all on the same page here, right? Because many of us, okay, for for some of us, and and for at least some of your friends, your sphere of influence, your running buddies, whomever you you run around with here in our community, especially those who don't know Jesus, like many of them, many of us, don't take any time all week long to just sit down and breathe or deliberately or intentionally give God any space in our lives or or room to move. Like like for so many of us, I can just tell the story. It's go, 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 go. We work all day long, and then then we get home, and then we've got this thing to do or that thing to do, and we run the kids from this place to that place, and we've got to stay entertained, and, and we're busy, 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 busy. And if that's not true for your life, I assure you, just take my word for it, that many of your friends are living that life out in the community. And we don't take time to come into the sanctuary of God and just go, and breathe. When you worship weekly, you give God time to speak into your heart. You give God time to speak into your life. Look at what Asaph says. I just want you to think about this with me. Look at verse 21, 22. Here's what he says. He says, When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. You know what he's talking about there? What he's saying is, is that sometimes when the world is getting at us, Here's what we do. We become jerks. It's kind of like when the finances get tight. And we're struggling to pay the bills. Or we've just incurred some sort of you know, financial emergency. The car broke down. Needs a new transmission. We weren't counting on it. When things get tight financially, sometimes our wife gets it. Doesn't she, fellas? What he's saying is that sometimes maybe my, my colleagues, like my office mates at work, are on my ever last nerve. And so when I get home, what happens is my husband gets it. He gets the brunt of it. This is what he's talking about. Like sometimes, like when the world just starts caving in on us, we just become bullies. And so listen what he says next. Look at verse 23. He says, nevertheless, Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh might fail. My heart might fail. 
But God, you are my strength and my portion forever. Do you feel the weight of that? His response to why things aren't going well. Everybody just take a deep breath with me. Just inhale. And then exhale. What would it look like if you could go throughout your week and your life looked like this? You were able to say to God, like, you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. God, whom have I in heaven but you? Even though things aren't going well for me. I might even fail in some areas. But God, you're my strength. You're my portion. Forever. Do you think your family life would be better? If your soul could live out those verses? You think your office mates, your colleagues might see you a little bit different? If your soul looked like this? Like how would your neighbors view you? If you were able to walk through your day with a deep breath in your soul, knowing that God goes with you, goes with you, it says, even when you take your last breath, He gets you home to glory. Amen? And so here's our part. Here's what we strive to do as a church staff. Here's our part. When you walk in on the weekend, when you take time out of your Sunday to come and worship here, it, our part is to make sure that this environment, not just in this room, but what, what's happening in the lobby and in connect groups and other places, what's happening around here is that we're prayed up. And listen, we don't just like wing it. Like Dorcas, you're not here in the first service often, but Dorcas plays the organ and she plays it wonderfully. Do you know she comes in like three or four days out of the week and practices? So she doesn't make any mistakes. So she's not a distraction for the worship. You know, our band comes in and they don't just stand up here and just like go, ah, I think we'll play a few tunes today. Like they practice. They practice on their own. They show up here weekly and and practice together. I invest 15 to 20 hours a week. We're not tooting our horn. It's our job to make sure that when you show up, that we've been thoughtful and that we pour some time and energy and effort into what's happening around here so that it's beneficial to you. And here's your part, and it's okay to just show up. I mean, honestly, showing up's great. But what if there was a shift And like how you showed up. What if rather than just being a coin flip, like I don't know, are we going to go today? Heads, yes, we're going to go. Fantastic. Like what if there was a a shift? What, What if instead of it being a coin flip, you just made a commitment to be here every week? And not only that, 
What if you started to prepare on Saturday? Like you said, you know what? I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to go to bed at a reasonable, decent hour on Saturday, and then I'm going to show up Sunday morning, and I have a spring in my step, and I'm going to show up in that place, and I'm going to give something, not get something. Like it happens to me, and lo- I'll just be standing in the lobby most Sundays afterwards, and I'll just hear somebody, ah, I didn't really get anything out of that today. Ah, that didn't really do it for me today. It's not about you. We show up in here and we worship Jesus. He's the focus. And so if you don't get it, it's okay. Because it ain't about you. What if you shifted the how you worshiped? What if you showed up expecting God to do something amazing in you? I'm not coming to be entertained. I'm going to show up and I'm going to participate. I'm going to give something so that God can speak to my soul. It's a fantastic benefit. Here's the fourth thing. Every week matters. And so when you worship weekly, God will show those around you what matters most. This is a quick little point, but God will show others around you what matters most. Just picture this. Think of your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, people on the kids' sports teams, like everyone around you in your sphere of influence that might be far from Jesus. Think about those people. Now, just think that those around you, those people might notice that it does something in you when you show up every week. Like, this one's brilliant because you don't even have to say anything. Like it'll just be evident in your life. Your actions will speak so loudly in the current culture and the climate that we're in. Like that when you prioritize your schedule and your life around being here weekly, it'll just speak volumes to those around you. When you reorient your schedule and your life around being here weekly, I promise you, your friends are going to notice. They're going to see what you do. Man, if you don't think your neighbors don't notice your car gone from the driveway on Sunday mornings, you're crazy. Like, they pay attention to that kind of stuff. People see you loading up the car, where you're headed, that you've made it a priority. And so when you do these things, and you They see what it does inside of you and what it's doing for your family. Listen, if you show up, God shows up here too, and he will do something amazing inside of you. Here's the last thing. Here's the fifth thing. Every week matters. And so when you worship weekly, God will honor your routine God will honor your routine. This is what this whole series has been about. There is just power, isn't there? I mean, we know this. There is just power in following a routine of habits, especially spiritual habits. Just opening up God's Word each and every day, being in the Word, there's something beneficial to that. There's something about praying every day. There's something about showing up weekly for worship. There's power 
in the repetition and in the routine. And here's the hard thing for us is because we live in this microwave sort of Amazon Prime society, don't we? Like we want it and we want it now. What do you mean I have to wait two weeks to get that thing? No, I don't. I can have that thing delivered tomorrow. And that's what we expect to happen in our spiritual lives. And so we just read the Bible for a day or two and then we give up. We pray for a day or two and we give up. I mean, honestly, let's just take this into some other areas of life. I'm looking at Aaron over here. Like, if you were to go to the gym once a month, would you be mad and frustrated if you just said, man, I'm just not getting any stronger? I don't know why, man, I go to the gym for like an hour and a half, one time a month, and I lift some weights. Man, I just am not getting any stronger. I'm not noticing any changes. No six-pack happening here, man, just a keg. (laughs) Or if you ate like one healthy meal out of a week, like there's 21 opportunities if you eat three times a day. Some people eat five times a day. That's 35 opportunities, right? If you ate like one healthy meal a week and you're like, man, I just don't understand why I'm still overweight and lack energy. You wouldn't do that, would you? You would be mad and frustrated if you like spoke to your wife once a month and then wondered why your relationship wasn't working. It's true. This is what we do spiritually. I tried for a few days, it just didn't work. I show up once a month. I go to River City. It just isn't doing much for me. There's power in the routine. Listen, we... I don't, I don't understand it all. Like, there's things that I don't get, but we serve a God who, who is the creator. Like, he put the sun and the moon and stars in place, and I don't understand how it all works, man, but the sun comes up every day, and the sun sets, and the tides move, and the currents move, because he's a God of routine. He authored all of these things, and it just consistently works because we have a God of consistency. And so listen, the God of routine will work routinely in you if you show up. Even when there's some weeks and you come and you don't have the right attitude. Like, listen, I I don't always show up with the right attitude either, right? Some weeks you might show up and it's like, Pastor Alex was boring today. Or the band just wasn't firing on all cylinders. Or what, like, whatever the reasons might be. But listen to me, man. I promise you, if you show up, that God will be at work here. There's days where I've stood here before you and preached and I, and the, I get home and I'm conversing with my wife and I go, that was the worst day ever. Speaking of me, not you. Like, that was the worst message I have ever preached in my entire life. I didn't even want to listen to myself. And I'll show up the next day and somebody sent me an email and tells me how much it impacted their life. I don't get it. I just know when we show up and we do it week in and week out, 
God shows up and he does his thing. So let me close with this. Hey, we, we believe that every week matters. We know we've got 51 of them. But if you will worship weekly, listen, not for me. Not for me. I don't need you to show up here every week. You need to show up here for you. If you'll do it for you, for your family, for your friends, for your soul. I promise you something will happen. Something amazing will happen. And you'll start to transform from the person that you used to be into the person that God has created you to be when you, when you choose to worship weekly. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? Father God, we, we, we love you. you. You are a creator. You are sustainer. You are the one who put everything into place. Hallowed be your name. And Lord, we are so thankful that you built into the rhythm and the routine of life this idea of setting aside some time to gather together in a community of faith to sing songs and to pray, to open and study your word, to be encouraged by seeing our brothers and sisters in the faith to be there for one another, to pick one another up. God, for thousands of years, this has been the model. And so help us today, those of us who are in this place, read your word and understand that there's benefit to being in this place. We don't need to feel any guilt over that. We should just want to be here. Because being with each other and being in your presence and coming and giving something and not getting something in return helps transform our lives into who you're creating us to be. And so God, may we leave this place today beginning to prepare our hearts for next Sunday when we, listen, not have to, we get to do this again. Thank you, Lord. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.